0: This is Arthur Bush, and you're listening to Radio Free Flint. Today's episode is an interview with Flint's legendary basketball player, Marty Embry. Marty Embry uh, excelled on the basketball courts in Flint, Michigan, and Chicago with DePaul Blue Devils, and also played 13 years as a professional basketball player around the world. More importantly, Marty Embry represents the spirit of Flint, its grit, its determination, and hard work. Marty Embry describes himself as a serial entrepreneur. Throughout his career, he has been a successful author. He's written 13 books, eight of them cookbooks, self-help books, and financial uh, real estate investment, as well as a self-help book about depression. Marty Embry is a fascinating Flintstone. I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, this interview. So sit back, enjoy uh, a bit of your hometown, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you later. Thank you. Former professional basketball player, played in the uh, uh, CBA, played 13 years as a pro who's been around the world with basketball, played in five countries. But most importantly, he played for Flint Central and one of the greatest coaches in the history of Michigan, Stan Gooch, where he won a state championship. We're going to talk about all that, Marty, Mm -hmm. and your experiences with Flint. And you're a Flintstone before Flintstone was cool. Pretty much. Uh, Marty, uh, you now live out of state in uh, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to take you back to your home. Where did you grow up in Flint?
1: I grew up on Chippewa Street.
0: Right around the corner from
1: Doyle Elementary School, right in between Kennedy and Doyle.
0: Near the downtown area.
1: Yeah, yeah about a mile away, give or take.
0: And when we were a kid growing up, could you go downtown and wander around, or was there stores open? And
1: um, You know, we didn't do a whole lot of that. Until I got probably high school eight. Um, so some of the kids would walk downtown, but we never had it. If we got caught downtown, we get skinned.
0: So you went to Doyle Ryder School. And, and Well, it wasn't Doyle Ryder at the time. It was just
1: Doyle. To,
0: where'd you go after that?
1: Longfellow.
0: He did a nice job of fixing it up.
1: He did. And then from Longfellow to Central. And then Longfellow was really strange because I didn't play any sports. I wouldn't play. So a lot of folks don't know that. They don't know I didn't play middle school sports at all. Once i went from elementary school, high school, no sports. I mean, junior high school, no sports.
0: I mean, Flint had a lot of leagues for kids like uh, like you and I. Mark. So your family moved from Arkansas to Flint. W- were you yeah. born in Flint? No, you were born, no, in born in Arkansas.
1: I was born in Arkansas. Yeah. We moved to Flint. I was about four, maybe.
0: Because I knew you were an entrepreneur, but I didn't know I didn't know how accomplished you were as a cook, mm. or a chef, as they call it. I was looking up some information about you for this interview. Of course, you have a Wikipedia profile. Got interested. It's first your first claim to fame as being a chef. I I didn't know that. It is. So, Marty, you... Uh,
1: That would have been my sophomore year at Central. Again, I had no designs to trial for a basketball team. I didn't want to play. And I tell this story all the time. Perry Burke, who since passed, I think he passed a couple years ago,
0: in basketball, someplace along the line, where was that at?
1: In Leland Scott. Every time I, every day in school, I would, I'm walking down the hallway, and either Perry or Leland would just forearm me. You gonna play? Nope. Every day they said they're gonna do it until I said I was gonna play. So I said it just so they will stop jacking me up. And uh, when the season came around, you know, for the tryouts, they asked me "Was I gonna try out?" I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna try out." But absolutely, I'm trying out. So I tried out. He came over to me. And he said one thing to me, I think it kind of changed my life, pointing college in my direction at that particular time, although I had plans to go. And I think it worked out fairly well because Mr. Gooch always said by the time it was all said and done, I was going to be at least six, eight, two fifth, pretty accurate with it. Uh, Mr. Gooch was a very, everything that he did had a purpose for us. As, as uh,
0: So what was your impression of him? He was always
1: uh, in our ears about certain things. And, uh, you know, we talked about the father figure thing. Even though he wasn't trying to be a father figure, I think that's what he ended up being to a lot of the players on our team. Um, Again, he he kept the entire team alive. And I think he knew that we were going to have a good team, and he didn't want anything to jeopardize. So, uh, you know, I have – Extremely fond memories of, of Mr. Bush. He was, um, you know, I credit him with me even getting uh, scholarship offers at all because um, he arranged for me to go to a five-star camp. I couldn't afford it; my family couldn't afford to pay. Um, I think it was two twenty-five or two fifty for me to go to a camp for, you know, uh, for a five-day camp, and uh, he found a a person or people that donated the funds to get me to that camp. So the difference before and after was before that, I was being recruited by, again, Eastern and Western. So the state schools were doing a recruitment but nobody really recruited me heavily. Low-level Michigan State and, and uh, Michigan. I went to camp, and from that point, they never stopped. So I was being recruited at that time by the, out of the top 20 schools. I was being recruited by 18 of uh, 50 to 75 letters. I probably would have ended up at one of the state schools. Michigan State was actually my first. and came back and... Within the first week after I got back from camp, I had a stack of mail that would. So
0: Marty, you ended up uh, having a pretty fine team there at Flint Central,
1: and I that was because of Mr. Gooch. Had he not sent me to that camp, that that was a team that we knew the summer before our first championship. We knew that we we're going to have a good team. Mr. Gooch was taking us all over to play against top talent teams. At that point, we knew then that we probably was going to win state. It was a, I mean, it was a
0: phenomenal. Team. Now some of the players on that Marty. Mark Harris. What kind of player do you think he was?
1: Mark Harris was a prototypical shooting guard with the mentality of a point guard and the size of a point guard, but he had the jumping ability of a small forward, so he could do it all. I mean, a game that he scored 44. You know, it was it was really the easiest 44 that I've seen him get. And he was he was in a he was in that zone that people talk about scores going into. He was there, but what they don't know is, yeah, I. But I was I was different. I wasn't, when you look at a guy that was my size, you would think of him being more of a score, but I don't think people understood that I didn't even start really playing basketball until the 10th grade. I had a knack for going after the ball once I got the position. And then I was faster than most players there was my side.
0: You also uh, won, 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 played for at least one state championship, and that, as I recall, that team won several.
1: Yeah, we um, I won with Eric Turner. So in that year we were twenty-six and two. So your
0: highlight of your time at Flint Central was playing for the state championship and winning it. Absolutely. You won one time or two times. Two. We
1: won, at, uh, we won in '81 with Eric and '82 with Mark.
0: Okay, and then Green came along. Eighty-three.
1: Now the crazy thing is, only one player played on all three state championships, and that was DJ Daryl Johnson.
0: Oh yeah, another fine player. If they had rings in those days, he'd have a lot of them, wouldn't he? Yeah. Describe that school for our listeners.
1: DePaul is a Catholic university that I think is a very progressive university. University. It's located uh, in Chicago.
0: You left Flint Central. You had a good experience at Flint Central. What was it like to leave Flint and go to Chicago?
1: Well, I had family in Chicago, so for me it was like another long-term visit. Uh, my grandmother was there. I had aunts and uncles and a, a ton of cousins. So my transition wasn't as difficult as a lot of other kids that went to school because I was used to going to Chicago. Although I never went up to DePaul, but I was used to the environment of Chicago. So it was for me. It was it was pretty seamless. It was bad my freshman year. Uh, there are some things that I had to get used to, um, but I was a fairly decent student in high school. So when I got to DePaul, the only thing that we had to do was manage our time. I had to learn how to manage my time a little bit. Uh, but because we played basketball and we had a financial, I mean, an academic advisor, the academic advisor made sure that we kind of stayed on task. Then we had tutors. So DePaul, and I always say that DePaul at that time was the one school that you could never say, I didn't graduate in four years. I didn't have the twos to graduate because we had all of the tools to graduate in four years so uh, so even that for me was fairly simple
0: you've played for two Absolutely. hall of fame coaches uh stan Gucci of course is in the michigan hall of fame and also the greater flint uh area sports hall of fame and then you went to play for ray myers who was a legend a college basketball legend yeah what was it like to play for him
1: um coach ray was a hard coach to play for i think with him the players that he was recruiting were players that were almost NBA ready. It was that kind of mentality. And he was a, he was a good teacher, but Coach Joe actually was more of a teacher to me than Coach Ray was. He was, uh, he was an in-your-face kind of coach, but he never took it off the court. You know, if he had words with you on the floor, when the last whistle was blown and he walked off the court, he was finished with it. He was completely finished with it. I hold a grudge. So he was doing that to me. You know, I'm like, I i do not have anything to say to you. You know, but uh but he, he was he was a coach that pushed us to our our limits. I mean he really, really pushed and he pushed hard.
0: Well you had a lot of success. You get to the Hall of Fame by winning. Mm-hmm. And when you were at DePaul, I assume you did some winning again.
1: We did. We, uh, you know, we had a – out of the four years that I was there, we had three NCAA appearances and one NIT appearance. But, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, one year in particular, I think it was his last year, uh, we should have made no less than the Final Four. I mean, we I think we were that good. We, you know, ranked number one in the country for most of the season. All I was one and two. It was Georgetown and up. And then uh, my senior year, we had another good team, even though the record – kind of showed otherwise, but we had a really good team, and I thought even that year, we should have made, at the bare minimum, the Final Four, so yeah, we had some good runs, they recruited a great center named Pat Ewing, so, and he was going to recruit me to play the power four position, which I was really uncomfortable playing, so it was never really going to, uh, I I never really gave Georgetown a serious look because of that, even though they were recruiting me heavily, I, I, I knew early that I wouldn't be to Georgetown. i so, like competition but not like that
0: so when you went to um you went to depaul what was your major
1: uh, it was sociology and then i changed the social science so my primary field is sociology and my secondary is uh psychology
0: and did you get it did you get a chance to do cooking in chicago i did i did most
1: of the players knew that i was i was a pretty good cook i had some people we have boosters that would bring us packages, you know, for Christmas when we couldn't go home and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I've been cooking a long time, and I did a lot of cooking at the fall because I've been cooking again since I was six or seven years old. And that Thanksgiving Day dinner—that's something that I will cook often. At, you know, back in Michigan.
0: Uh, given any honors or awards? Um,
1: um, I didn't blossom until I went to Europe.
0: Since 2016, the Flint Kids Fund has invested over $9 million in programs aimed to address and mitigate the impact of lead poisoning and trauma suffered by many children in Flint. The 20-Year Fund supports programs and services that focus on the long-term health and development needs of our children. You can help by giving to the Flint Kids Fund at flintkids.org. That's Flint Kids Fund at flintkids.org. The Community Foundation of Greater Flint, who sponsors this fund, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible to the extent allowed by law. (coughs) Thank you very much. We appreciate any help that you can give to the children of Flint.
1: As far as uh, as far as the score slash rebounder, and then uh, getting the accolades that I thought I deserved, it didn't happen until I went to Europe. Favorites were always the big guys like Pat Ewing and David Roberts. Daryl Dawkins was one of my heroes, and we became friends from playing ball over in Europe. So every time I had to play against him, it was, it was a treat because he was such a good guy, and he was a yes Daryl Dawkins. I mean, he was a great player, you know, Hall of Fame type player. Uh, so I found myself um, enjoying playing against the bigger guys, more so the guys my side. The bigger they are, the more fun I had.
0: Now, you you were drafted in the in the third round. Is it the fourth round, I guess? Fourth
1: round. Fourth round. Fourth yeah.
0: round by the Utah Jazz. And they drafted you without all this recognition, you claim. I don't think anybody that watched you play thought you weren't any good, that's for sure. But when you went to Utah, it was quite an amazing place. Culturally, it's, yeah, it's a different yeah. It's a different zip code.
1: Yeah. It didn't bother me at all being in Utah. I mean, you know, basketball is an international sport, and people that are going to games, they had coach Frank Layton.
0: That's a long ways from Flint.
1: It wasn't him that, that I really knew about. It was Jerry Sloan. You know, Jerry Sloan's daughter went to DePaul. So she transferred her sophomore year, but we stayed friends. We remained friends even after they were still friends. So she came up to the school and she said, Marty, my dad is going to draft you. Really? How do you know? But he told me he's gonna, he loves you. He loves the way you're rugged, you play hard, you're this, you're that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Get out of here. And sure enough, he drafted me. But they gave me, I, I spoke to Jerry and I spoke to Frank. And I said, I'm really not ready for the NBA. I want to go overseas for a year. So I need to go there to kind of learn how to play this game again. And they gave me their blessings to go overseas for a year. And I went overseas and I came back. I think I had better camp than they realized that they thought that I was going to have. But there was no room for me that year. So they were trying to. Sign a guy by the name of Jose Ortez. I think he was out of Syracuse, and they signed another guy. I can't remember his name. You know, seven-footer, and I just completely demolished him. Uh, Eric Lechner was his name, and I felt that that year I should have made the team until I found out that Jose was was trying to. They were trying to sign him, and they only had one position left on that team. So Frank came over to me, and Jerry came over. They said, "Well, Marty, we really want to see you come back to veterans camp." There for what? Um, but he was actually at camp, and I just demolished him. He's a big guy, and that I made my mind up that day that I wouldn't. Bother with nba again so i went overseas and stayed for the next you know 12 years
0: you left the utah jazz and then you went uh overseas
1: and they well, really we want to tell you go against the veterans well we just played in the league and i went against all these veterans the team was just okay but that was my first experience playing in europe so there was really no pressure then i went to belgium i stayed there for three years great team had a, another one of my friends from marquette was the leading score on that particular team but we had a a great group of guys
0: tell the audience some of the places you went there were some pretty great great spots
1: yeah my first stop was Tenerife which was just a vacationer's dream place to go visit it was great it was you know 85 degrees almost every day from there I went to Turkey for a few years Istanbul had a great run there ended up in the finals and lost uh, in the finals my second year which sucked, but, you know, it was a great experience. And from there I went and played in the Italian League for six years. And then after that I
0: went to Japan. To so Japan. Yeah. What's the difference in basketball between the uh, those teams and the NBA?
1: Well, first of all, the, the finances are a huge difference. You know, so we didn't make the, the ridiculous amount of money that the NBA is paying, sure. Some some players made seven figures, but most of those guys were guys that um, – You know, with seasoned veterans like Daryl Dawkins and Alice English and players like that. Outside of that, I think the physicality of both leagues were different. It was more physical in the NBA versus Europe. As time went on towards the end of my career, Europe became just as physical as the NBA. And I always felt like there were a ton of players over in Europe that could easily play in the NBA. But they were making a lot of money in Europe.
0: Did growing up in Flint, did that give you some skills that helped you do so well? Because I mean, you did you did remarkably well once you left Flint Central.
1: I think the mentality of Flint player was different than a lot of other players. Um, we had a, a mindset that we just didn't want to lose. We didn't want to get beat. We didn't want to get embarrassed. And I think that kind of parlayed into my entire career. We had a game that we used to play uh, when I was in elementary school. It was called grown man. So we had to play one-on-one. You can go to the basket, shoot a jumper, do whatever you want to do. So your defensive guy can foul you as hard as he wanted to, but you couldn't call a foul. So that made me really uh, get accustomed to playing really physical basketball, but not playing dirty basketball. And that mindset is what I took to DePaul and it's what I took to every team I played for in Europe that I just, you know, I will play hard every single game. I would, uh, I wouldn't complain. I would just go out and do my job, walk off the floor and call it a day. And I think that was the Flint background. I think, I think most players have that kind of mentality when they step on the foot That nobody can beat us. It. It's it's a, they said Flint's strong. That's what we were. We were front strong without even knowing it.
0: You have a family. You've been married a long time. Tell us yeah. about your family. My family. I've been
1: married uh, for 32 years. I have two kids, a boy and a girl. My son is six, ten and a half. and a half. My daughter is a little bitty thing. She doesn't like sports. My son is a is a is just a sport freak. You know, he likes everything sport. I'm still the same way. I don't particularly care for sports at all.
0: Uh,
1: but we have a small small family, and a very close-knit family.
0: You did come back to Flint after you left. Tell us about that, and why did you come back to Flint?
1: Flint, it is and will always be my home. It's where my heart is. I, you know, When I went back to Flint after I retired, um, I opened up a sports shop. I opened up a restaurant. I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I, I enjoy every aspect of sport, even the struggles I enjoy. It's just something about business that's that huge. Uh, but then I started working for the school system for ten for almost 10 years as a athletic coordinator and then director of athletics and so forth. So I kind of moved up that ladder in academic. Once I left there, I ended up moving here a few years later, um, but still, you know, Flint is and will always be you know, my home. And again, even for business, it's like we're Flint strong with business. It's, it's a hustle. It's a grind that we always feel like, you know, we can do our own. If we can make it in Flint, we can make it anywhere. So I know, I don't care where I move. It doesn't matter. Flint was hard. Everything else was
0: great. Do you ever come back and play ball with some of those guys? When I retired from
1: basketball, I officially retired from all sports. You got to remember, I wasn't a sports fanatic from the start. So for me, going back to play, I did it for maybe a year or two. There was no love there. I mean, when I retired, I said, and I said years before I retired, I said, when I retire, I'm down with sports. I don't I don't even watch sports on TV very often. And I'm one of the <laughs> few uh, former athletes or retired athletes that don't really get into sports. I, I don't want to coach. Um, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the, the administration component. But as far when they asked me to coach, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry, I don't.
0: Are you in business in North Carolina now? Uh, No, outside
1: of me doing personal chef gigs and catering gigs, uh, but I'm choosing not to. I was going to open up another restaurant here or do a food truck, but I chose not to. So I'm all into real estate investing. You know, I wrote a book about real estate investing. I got 10 cookbooks out. I have, you know, another 10 novels. That I've read, um, so I keep busy. But I won't open up another business until I find some place I can move to. Probably Arizona because of the weather for the headaches. Then I'll slowly, you know, get back into the whole business side of what I want to do.
0: What was it about Flint? Do you think? How- for me personally, I had people from
1: Flint that I would surround myself with that were successful in whatever field that they were doing. Whether it was sports, whether it was uh, administration, business, it didn't matter. And I always felt like Flint gave you everything you need. They gave you the tools that you needed to try to, you know, be the best that you can be in that thing that you wanted to do. When I look at Flint now, I still see the same thing. Because I still see my friends that are doing amazing things. They're still... They still have the same mindset. They still surround themselves with people that are doing amazing things. I, I hear a lot of people say that they leave Flint. Ah, Flint is too dangerous, and Flint is this, and Flint is that. You can go, you know, here here in North Carolina, you can go in different parts of Raleigh, you don't get the same thing that you get in the bad parts of Flint. You can go to, you know, I live in an area called Mooresville. You can go in an area of Mooresville where they have a lot of crime at. I said, that, that doesn't, you know, Flint is a small city that, that is given a black eye and then immediately take that and kind of run with it. But the people that have roots in Flint, we know what's going on in Flint. You know, There's no fear about going into Flint. You get out of it what you put into it. And I think right. I'll, put a lot, I'll put a lot into Flint. So I got a lot out
0: of it. A lot to be proud of in, uh, in what you've accomplished as a person and uh, uh, as an athlete and uh, a family person as well family man
1: have you tried my
0: spices yet you can send them along i i just got another idea for a podcast with you and it's going to be nothing about sports it's all going to be about them books about cooking oh perfect and we'll do a podcast on cooking okay i like that arkansas food though that i heard you were making So that concludes our episode with Marty Embry today. Uh, Marty Embry, fascinating man. And perhaps uh, in the future, uh, you could leave a, a note that says you like the episode. Uh, review us on Apple or uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts. It all helps get our, our interviews out and across the country. Thanks again. Take care. And next time, perhaps, we can have another episode with Marty about his cookbooks. Have a good day.